I'm so glad that the universe gave me all of this extra resistance the past year because I realized I didn't get stronger. I just, it made me see my strong. And I don't think anybody has to get stronger. All of these physical outlets, running, cycling, lifting weights, yoga, they're just uncovering the strong that's already in you. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 157 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where we sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. Today, I am chatting with Alex Silver Fagan. Now, if her name sounds familiar, that's because, fun fact, Alex was my first ever guest on the show. That's right. We chatted originally over three years ago now for episode two, which we referenced a couple of times in today's recording. Why am I having Alex back on the show, you ask? Well, Alex has certainly jumped her fair share of hurdles over the last few years. Like many fitness professionals during the pandemic, she went from teaching live and in person to doing so remotely. She also chose to leave a job during this time. And we talk about how that transition really impacted her. She also opens up about a lot of personal hurdles as well. Uh, Alex talks about falling in love and getting engaged and getting unengaged and how that was for her. The biggest conversation point in today's episode, however, is mental health and how Alex chose to open up about hers and seek treatment for hers. And we talk about what that looked like. And before I continue on with this intro, I'm gonna let Alex chime in on why this is important. You don't exist without your mental health. And there's often a a fear of getting help. There's a barrier to entry, if you will, with finances, whatever it may be. Uh, shame, perhaps, in saying that you are struggling. I promise you, more people are going through it than you think. So please, please, please reach out for help. You're not living your life if you are not exploring what's going on in your head. Needless to say, Alex really opens up today and we really get into some very serious topics. So if this resonates with you, if you are struggling with your mental health, I'm going to put some resources into the show notes, but I want you to know that Alex and I talked extensively about what we hoped for this episode. We chatted extensively about our responsibility before putting content like this into the world. And so it is our hope that this conversation helps someone somewhere feel less alone in whatever it is that they're going through. I'm going to keep this intro short because I really want to get into this episode, but I encourage you this week specifically, share this episode with a friend and have a conversation about it because it's really important stuff. 
Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over at Hurdle Podcast. I, Emily, am over at Emily Abadi. And if you haven't done so yet, head on in over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the show. It only takes a few seconds, and I'll even throw the link to do that in the show notes. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm chatting with Alex Silver Fagan. She is a fitness entrepreneur, a trainer, a yogi, beloved to many. <laughs> How you doing, Al? I'm doing. I'm doing great, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like a brand new human. Um, I love that you love the fitness entrepreneur title. I love it too because it's hard to uh, identify yourselves with. I don't like identifying myself with my job titles, my career, because I think it's always changing. And when you had just asked me what I want to be put down as, I said human. And that's really because that's all the work I've been doing is to be a better human, to be a better soul existing in my body. And I have put so much energy over my past 29 years on getting titles and being a Nike master trainer or being a mirror founding instructor or being a 350-hour yoga teacher. And I am exhausted with trying to find labels and I'm just trying to find existence. And I don't think I'm trying anymore. I think I'm settling into it. So that's how I'm doing. And that's why I said I'm a human. A human. <laughs> Maybe I'll just label your episode like that. Human. Alex Silverfagan, human. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? And I think that's so true, especially these days as we all live in this like multi-hyphenate world where we wear many hats. If you're so wrapped up about what's in your Instagram bio and you're paying that more attention than what's actually happening around you, that's problematic. A hundred percent. I've learned also when I'm Uh, trying to find a client or I'm introducing myself in a podcast or an interview or an event, rather than giving my title, uh, what do I do? Like, who do I affect? What's my goal? What's my mission? So instead of, you know, I'm Alex Silverfagan, a fitness instructor and yoga teacher, I'm Alex Silverfagan and I try to help people discover that they can come back to their bodies and unlock their potential by re- establishing that relationship with themselves. And so I do that with Flow and Strong, which is the class that I've developed. But instead of saying that I'm the founder of Flow and Strong, I'm going to tell you what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's our energy. That's the impact that we leave on people. And that's what I want someone to understand and feel first. For those of you that have been longtime hurdlers, or maybe if you're a new hurdler and you kind of started from the beginning... Alex was one of my first guests. Her episode launched December 31st, 2017, which feels like an eternity ago. And so recently in chatting with Alex, who I've known long, much longer than that amount of time, uh, and by the prompting of the Hurdle community, I had a few DMs about this episode that I thought it was about time that we regrouped for the pod because so much has happened since then. So much has happened. I've lived it. It's been a lot. <laughs> it's been a lot. But I mean, on both of our ends, we have so much more to talk about together, especially uh, you've talked to so many people for the podcast. You've heard so many many amazing, inspiring stories where it. I, I love coming back to uh, the same topics with a new perspective. A hundred percent. 
Uh, so we won't go into your entire backstory in this episode. If you are interested in hearing the nitty gritty about pre-December 31st, 2017, Alex Silverfagan, click on over to the show notes where I will link that episode. But why don't you give those listening starting here a little bit of background just on how long you've been in the fitness industry, how you got into the fitness industry, uh, and you know that kind of stuff. So I started in the fitness industry seven years ago. I started because I needed to be better. I needed to get better. I was very underweight. I was working in nightlife, and I just so happened upon bodybuilding and bikini competitions as a way to get strong or to get I, I thought that was the answer instead of just gaining weight, which is what I needed to do. And from there, I did my bikini competitions. I then was introduced to the group fitness world in New York. I started to study be- to become a personal trainer. I was then teaching group fitness classes. I then went to Thailand for my yoga training. I came back. I started teaching my own class. And everything just happened very, very quickly. And I was... I think I was a little overwhelmed, but I didn't stop to actually recognize how I felt. And that's that's probably what I heard when I re-listened to my original episode was this kind of naivete of um, not really understanding the weight of what had been put on me and what I was expected to do. And it was a great I, – I, you know, I sounded really light and, and – airy and uh, I was really I needed the world to come crashing down (laughs) for a second to then like recognize where I am now so when you say what you were expected to do yeah what do you mean by that I've always struggled with the comparison and looking at what other people are doing and with social media and uh, being in the New York fitness world, which is a bubble that has now burst a little bit because we've, especially during the pandemic, everything has opened up and we've all been connected. I used to think that I, because I was so young and I was accomplishing things very early on, I felt the pressure to keep up with that trajectory and that cadence. And so I was 23 and the youngest Nike master trainer ever. And then it's like, well, what do you do now? Right? So there was this little mini voice in my head saying, okay, the next thing, you have to do the next thing. You have to do better. You have to do better. You have to do better. You have to post this. You have to get this job. You have to, you have to, right? And and it was very fast and I was overwhelmed with the speed. The speed. So when we last chatted in 2017, you're kind of in the thick of the speed, right? It's like you said, you're reflecting on it and it may have come off as light and airy and excited and hopeful, but really like deep down at that point, you were already feeling overwhelmed by everything that was going on around you and kind of trying to keep up with yourself. Mm-hmm. So since 2017... What would you say career-wise has probably been one of the biggest pivots for you? Choosing to leave a job where I was unhappy, but I was expected to be there. And that really happened when COVID hit. We all get wrapped up with the busy, the glorification of the busy. It's a cool thing to be busy in New York. And then when that stops and things slow down and you don't have to run to the next appointment or the next client or the next event, you have time to sit down and really look at what you're doing and if you want to do it. And 
I was still working at Mirror when COVID hit. And that would have been ideal to stay working for a company like that because it's digital already, that it's already digital fitness in people's homes. I wasn't working though. No one was going into the studio. And I had felt unfulfilled there for a long time. And it's nothing about the company. It's nothing about the other instructors. I love all of them. I love what they're doing. I loved working there, but something felt off for me. And I wasn't honoring that before COVID. And then when I was at home, I wasn't working and I was sitting with it. And I still had this kind of nagging sensation of um, just misalignment with my truth. I knew that I had to leave. And so I, I actually left my job in the middle of a pandemic, which is wild. A lot of people, that, that is that is crazy to, to leave a well-paid job <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. But I knew that it wasn't it wasn't right for me anymore. And I still wasn't sure what the next step was. Um, I know that I I started to work hard to chase a dream that I had. The dream turned out to look different than it actually is or that I thought it was. Uh, but it's led me to dive deeper into what flow into strong means. And flow into strong is my, my personal method of yoga and strength training. And I created that when I came back from Thailand in 2016, but I never really understood the full meaning behind Flow into Strong. I was like, oh, I'm just putting yoga and strength together. And now having the space when I'm not employed by somebody else being really thrust into full-time entrepreneurship, which I know that you know very closely what that feels like, um, it, you can really create something that's authentic because it's like, oh shit, here I am. It's just me. What's my impact in the world? Instead of waiting for life to come or waiting for another opportunity, it's like, what am I going to contribute to the world? And you have that chance when that space is created. So you know I have to ask you what the dream job is. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Well, people can assume what it is, but I'm going to keep that close to me for now. I'm still chasing it. And I believe the universe has a plan. And I also believe in divine timing. And divine timing has shown up in my life many times, not only just in my career. And I've I've witnessed it. I've experienced it. So I trust that. And I guess we'll all find out what that dream is <laughs> one day. Hopefully. We'll yeah. Hopefully. Okay. So you make the decision to walk away from mirror. And During this pandemic, when a lot of us, I can certainly vouch for this, started to find a little bit of extra joy in routine, you were completely out of what your routine had been for so long without a job necessarily. How do you start to find any semblance of balance for yourself? So I'm just starting to find that balance as COVID kind of this whole year is starting to lessen, um, my balance now is recreating a schedule for myself and working with clients and creating my app, which we can talk about in a second. But I do want to honor the fact that for the entire year, my entire routine was gone. Uh, I also was in a relationship that was holding on by a thread, trapped in an apartment. And I I hate using the word trapped because I was safe and, you know, grateful to be in a beautiful apartment for that year. But I felt trapped. I felt trapped in emptiness. 
I felt ashamed because I had left a job and then I had nothing. And my whole life, just all of those labels that I thought that I had, that I thought made me who I was, were gone. My career, my relationship, we weren't seeing friends. I wasn't even able, I mean, all of us felt this. I wasn't even able to go to a gym or a yoga studio, that that place of solace, you know, and not the gym solace. I love solace, but <laughs> the solace of having community was gone. And so um, I really spiraled and I lost myself. And I was also living with somebody who was thriving during the pandemic. And it was very hard to then compare yourself to your partner and feel inadequate just as a human. I can imagine for the reasons that we spoke about earlier about titles and leveling up and what am I going to do next that that would just start to feel really overwhelming as you're trying to find your footing and feeling continuously like you're just kind of climbing up a hill that has mud on it. A hundred percent. And it has nothing to do with him acting a certain way or saying things. It's just being in that situation Um, and also being really happy for somebody who's succeeding while you're really confused (laughs) with your own life and at a time when everybody is confused and I I take on what other people are feeling I'm an empath and so you know last year was just emotionally charged and it was it was intense and probably the hardest year of every all of our lives we are transforming we are being reborn like there is this feeling of rebirth and I am I, – I think differently. I speak differently. I feel differently because I do think coming out of pain c- creates strength. Like I have I, – I've always been obsessed with this idea of getting strong. My first book is called Get Strong. My brand is Flow Into Strong. Being strong for me has always been – the goal, but I never realized it's just the, it's just being like, you are strong. We are strong because we're here. Our, I'm very spiritual and I've gotten more spiritual throughout this whole process throughout this whole year. But knowing that, um, you know, our soul chooses our life for a reason. Like we choose this path and these hardships and these joys because we know that we can do it and that, Uh, we are strong enough. And so always reminding myself that I don't have to find my strong, but just be in my strong. And that's what flow into strong is. (laughs) Flow into it. And understanding, of course, that strength is just so much more than obviously picking up a dumbbell. Yeah. 100%. It's such a good uh, outlet. And and it's it's a very quick reminder that you are strong. Like you can physically feel it. And then there's an emotional aspect of like, yeah, I did that, you know, and then then you can realize, oh, I can do other things too that might intimidate me. It doesn't have to be a barbell. It's just anything that is resistance. It is extra load. Like you can you can handle it. I'm so glad that the universe gave me all of this extra resistance the past year because I realized I didn't get stronger. I just, it made me see my strong. And I don't think anybody has to get stronger. All of these physical outlets, running, cycling, lifting weights, yoga, they're just uncovering the strong that's already in you. (laughs) 
taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Super Coffee. Now, y'all know that I take my caffeinating so seriously, which means that I am always hunting the tastiest, best options to throw into my regular routine. That is where Super Coffee comes in. For me, Super Coffee comes in the clutch, specifically in the early afternoon. I'm looking for a little pick-me-up to keep me going through that workday, and that is when I am reaching for their vanilla Super Coffee. It's got what they refer to as super ingredients, including monk fruit, which is a naturally occurring sugar-free, carb-free sweetener and superfood, milk protein isolate, which is a high-quality protein that helps build strength and keeps you feeling full, and last but not least, MCT oil extract it from raw coconuts. It's a healthy fat that supports brain function to help increase your focus. I literally joked to a friend the other day that this is my productivity afternoon secret. And let me tell you a little story. I mean, I was heading down to the cafe downstairs and ordering something like a chai latte or a matcha latte or what have you. And I didn't love that I didn't know what was inside of it. Plus, I was spending like four or five dollars a day on this. I can keep this pick me up right in my fridge and it's ready whenever I need it. Of course, Super Coffee has an awesome deal for you. Head on over to drinksupercoffee.com slash hurdle to get 25% off your entire first purchase. I recommend trying one of their best-selling variety packs or bundles. It's a great way to try out all of their delicious flavors. Again, head on over to drinksupercoffee.com slash hurdle or use code hurdle at checkout to get 25% off your order today. Bonus, Super Coffee has a 60-day money back guarantee, meaning if you don't love it, you get your money back. No questions asked. And I also think it's worth giving you a little bit of credit because getting out of a relationship at any time is difficult, whether you know that like it is like this needs to happen whether you're the person that is ending it or you're the person that's on the receiving side, however it happens, it's hard, right? Mm -hmm. So to happen during COVID, something that I know that some of the people listening to this episode went through as well, it's hella, it's hella difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that there are a lot of people that held on to relationships because of COVID because they were, they didn't want to be alone. They didn't want to quarantine alone. And when I think about what people went through this year and you know, losing loved ones, relationships, changing jobs, homes, um, on top of this massive stress of a virus and not knowing when we're getting out. And um, it's wild. And I'm so glad that people are now talking more about therapy. I've always been really open about mental health and I've struggled with depression and anxiety for a long time. But it's normal now. Like it's weird if you don't, haven't talked to a therapist or it's weird if you haven't discussed mental health in some way. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I'm so glad because we talk so much about our physical health. We talk so much about um, having trainers and taking group fitness classes. It's like, why are we not all talking to somebody about life, what it means to be in this human experience? And no, I'm just I'm glad that people are opening up about their mental health and are asking questions because it's super important. <laughs> How long have you been working with a therapist? And not, not not specifically the same therapist. 
wow. I don't remember a time when I didn't have a therapist, and that's because my parents split when I was around three years old. I, I, this might be incorrect, and if a family member hears it and says that it's wrong, I'm I'm just going off of what I assume. Um, I must have been around eight or nine when I was court ordered to go speak to somebody, and originally. I, I didn't want anything to do with a therapist because I was like, this is a stranger and they don't know me. And I actually, I I cycled through a lot of different doctors and never really found somebody that I felt comfortable with until until my young adulthood in after college. So there, there was a big period of time in college where I didn't talk to a therapist, but I've been... I've been in that cycle for a long time. I think it's difficult when it comes to therapy sometimes because although now, thankfully, there are more and more mental health resources out there available to everyone, therapy to an extent, if you don't have the financial resources for it, can be something that feels completely out of the question. You know what I mean? Like for me specifically, I can say that that was a barrier to entry for me for a really long time for therapy. It was Mm -hmm. like, especially after becoming an entrepreneur, it was like, so this month, am I going to pay $450 for my health insurance and then pay out of pocket to go see a therapist? Or how am I going to make this work? And then you start to have this conversation with yourself. It's like, you want to prioritize it. You want to do this thing. But for me, I mean, just money forever was just the biggest barrier to entry. Yeah. I think that's a big problem. And that's a problem with the health insurance industry. Totally. Um, but there are resources that don't require you to pay anything. Uh, the anonymous groups, the support groups are incredible and it's not just for alcoholics or if they're substance abuse, it's also emotions anonymous or emotions addict, uh, CODA, codependence anonymous. And those are great for building community. But I think that a f- there are a few companies that are starting to create less expensive options like, uh, you know, speaking to a social worker versus a psychologist is immediately going to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's there's a company called Frame that I was talking to and um, I'm, I don't work for them, but it's just nice mentioning it here anyway in case somebody hears it. Um, I know that they're a little bit on the manageable in terms of finance finances and you get to chat with different therapists and see who you like. So is that a text app or a FaceTime situation? So it's a FaceTime, but you it's an app and you connect with certain therapists. I think you do like a 15-minute mini speed date. You see if you like them and then you move forward oh, with that. an actual scheduled time to yeah. do therapy. Yeah. And I think what's great, especially as time goes on, is there are different ways to access therapy from like a communication point mm-hmm. of view, right? So there's like text-based, like talk space, if that's like something that you could be into, or there's like these FaceTime and digital options, especially in the era of COVID. And then, you know connecting with a licensed therapist and you're a licensed mental health counselor in your area. Like at least now there are so many different pathways and avenues to get help, which I think is really great. A hundred percent. So on January 30th, you on Instagram posted one month post treatment. That's where I was in December. I checked in to a mental health facility. So we're talking about mental health. We talked about what was going on for you during at least, I would say, the first half of COVID. Talk to me about how you got to the point where you decided that you should go to a mental health facility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I went on like a little Instagram break in December and I posted about it. 
and I didn't tell anyone where I was going. I knew I needed a break, uh, but I went to California to a mental health treatment facility. It was a hospital, and I think it was a long time coming. I don't want to point fingers at anything that happened in my life. I don't want to say it was my breakup or it was a job loss or COVID in general. I I think I was ready to have some deeper levels of care and I'm grateful that I already have a platform to be able to share it and share this experience because it's so taboo going to hospitals and going in inpatient for treatment, even outpatient, like a deep, uh, more intensive care. Um, and I didn't even know what it was like. I was terrified and I knew that I needed something more intensive for a long time. But I was always afraid because you see one flew over the cuckoo's nest or girl interrupted and you assume that's what all these hospitals are like. Or you assume that it's like these psychiatric ward in, a, in an actual hospital, which is a, is a hospital. It's white gowns and it's, you know, white beds. And it, that's not what inpatient treatment centers are. And so once I could wrap my head around that, which didn't happen until I was there, then I could share that. When did you even first research doing something like this? Um, so I was having massive panic attacks in November and October. Um, my partner moved out of the apartment at the end of September, and I had found myself completely alone for the first time in years, not having anywhere to go, no job. Uh, and I, my panic attacks were it wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to cry and sit in the corner. It was like I was breaking things in the apartment. I was punching myself. I had bruises. And the scariest part is I would start to leave the apartment in the middle of the night because I couldn't be there. And so I would like walk all the way to the river. I live in Chelsea, so I'd walk all the way to the west side at like 1, 2 a.m., I was very suicidal and I had had, I've had suicide ideation for a, for a long time. When we did our original podcast, those are thoughts that were in my head, but they weren't, they weren't as loud as they were now. And I had a plan and I had intent and I, I was planning. I was making sure that I had all the supplies I needed and I was starting to write letters and I was really ready to leave. And I had had a very spiritual experience in February of 2020 with psychedelics and I'm all for psychedelic therapy in terms of treatment and I had done a ceremony and this was before COVID and it was before I was really looking at my mental health but I was really grateful to have this experience and I was catapulted out of myself into a rainbow which and if I say that and you've done psychedelics you understand that feeling but that's what I thought the other side was so for every time I would have these thoughts and I was planning, I was just like, I'm going to the rainbow. And if you follow me on Instagram, I am very much obsessed with rainbows. My engagement ring is now I wear a rainbow wedding band and it's because I was just, I've wanted to go to the rainbow. So the, the moment where it was like time to go to treatment my doctors, I had a team of doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, acupuncturists, you know, ex-partner, dad, they were all saying it's time to go to treatment and I wasn't ready. And you can push somebody and you can say it for months and they're not going to want to go. And there was 
um, there was just a moment in November where I was, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm, and I was too scared to find out if it was actually a rainbow on the other side. Like I wanted to go there, but I wasn't sure. And I, my, my psychiatrist said to me one day, he was like, what if it's not a rainbow? Then you're, then you're screwed. Like, then you're done game over. And I was like, that's, yeah, I don't want to know if it's not, I'd rather have the rainbow here. And so started researching facilities. I will say from a financial standpoint, it is expensive no matter where you go. These treatment centers are really expensive and, but it was so worth it. No matter how much money I spent, like I, um, I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I hadn't gone. And I found friends there. I, well, one friend because I actually ended up being completely alone <laughs> for the last two weeks of my treatment, which is, I was mentioning universe moments before. My biggest fear is being alone. And I went to treatment in the middle of a pandemic and it was also Christmas and New Year's. So not many people were in the treatment center. And so for the first two weeks, I had a friend. And then the last two weeks, I was completely by myself. And I was just, I looked up and I was like, to the universe, you you wanted to teach me that I can be alone. Here we are. So um, yeah, that was the, the moment was, you know, I was just done with my own bullshit. I was scared. Um, and I like life too much. And I like, I love life. I just didn't like that life. I didn't. I wasn't in love with who I was anymore. I I used to sit in the apartment and just be like, I miss me. I miss my life. I miss Alex. Like, where is Alex? And I couldn't find her. And so, but I found her again at treatment, but she's very different. She's very different. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for sharing that sure. with us. <laughs> I, I try to think about what it could have been like walking across, you know, 20th Street toward the river at 1 a.m. And like, I could cry thinking about being in that place. So yeah, I am grateful that you had people like your father, like your psychiatrist, who you could talk to about this in a time where being a public person must have felt just like you were drowning. Yeah. I mean, I felt like I was living up to expectations of my relationship too. It was very public. I also want to credit him for my ex for saving my life. Um, and, you know, someone did get me when I was in, on, the, on the street. So... I'm grateful and I was, it's like, I, you can even go back to my Instagram and look up photos from that fall, November, October. Those were the two big months, um, or October, November, <laughs> going backwards. Um, and I'm posting as if all's good. I'm going on hikes, like, and I think it's important to say that and then, and then invite you to go look at those photos because your friend could be hurting. They might not be talking about it or they might be afraid to talk about it because they don't want to lose you. I've had friends, I've lost friends because they don't want me, they don't want to have sad friends. Someone said that to me. 
And I can't imagine somebody else hurting right now after this massively life-shattering year, sitting there and trying to find trying to find support and love and having someone say, I don't, I can't handle your sadness because I'm dealing with my shit. And it's, um, we have to just have love and empathy and, and, and be able to sit and listen to somebody because I don't want anyone to try to go to the rainbow before they're ready. And I don't want anyone to try to wonder what it's like on that other side, like make your rainbow here. We have the ability to make that, that life that we want if we are open to surrendering to the shit that's hard, right? Like for me sitting in my apartment alone after two and a half years not being alone and then not having my usual routine, that was that was tremendously scary. But I had to sit in that to then continue to create that I the life that I wanted instead of sitting in it and saying this is wrong. Like there's nothing wrong about it. I just wasn't used to it. And a lot of us aren't used to grief. We're not used to change. And I, I'm really, I've been trying to figure out a way to describe this on Instagram, but trauma is not necessarily always a bad experience, right? So it's, we think of it as a plane crash or a car crash or a death. Trauma is change, period. A move, what you and I are both about to do, we're about to move apartments that's traumatic to our nervous system. And we don't go around and talk about trauma enough. We don't talk about grief moving through it. We just say, oh, just take your time or everything will get better or you'll be fine or you cover it up. Why are we covering things up? Like that's just what I'm not into. And Instagram is a cover up and it was for me. So I uh, just, I guess, to bring that back around, it's like your friend might be covering something up. <laughs> with their pretty Instagram post or with their story that they have to tell you. And I, um, someone I, I love dearly posted recently, instead of asking, how are you asking, are you happy? You don't have to be happy, right? The answer doesn't have to be yes, but at least someone's asking you the question and they're interested. I'd love to double click on what you were talking about when it comes to having compassion for friends while understanding and also respecting your boundaries. Because I do agree with you. I don't think anyone deserves to be ousted. I also do recognize that there were probably times in your journey where you needed to do things for you, right? Especially with everything that you were going through. So I do think that there's uh, balance might be the wrong word here, but you can kind of do both. We are in charge of our own boundaries and we have the opportunity to exercise them, but it is also up to us to do so with compassion and respect and decency and whatnot, because I'm sure you get a lot of these messages as well. People asking about female friendships and about boundaries and how do I deal with X or Y? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, boundaries and expectations, like number one, when it comes to human connection and relationship. And we're not taught this ever to understand what you can handle and what you expect from other people. And so when you set the boundaries and expectations, then it's easier to go about that relationship. And so when I was mentioning a friend saying that they couldn't handle my sadness, 
we had already made a boundary and an expectation before. So I was very thrown off. But when you, you know, I think family, no one talks about the relationships with family and it's actually the hardest to maintain. I think that's in therapy that's probably like one of the number one conversations that you have. Setting those with your family members is important and then with your friends. But um, the only way you learn your boundaries is by exploring, um, by asking questions, something, and also being honest with yourself, what feels good, what doesn't feel good, and not living to somebody else's expectations. But there's nothing wrong with saying to somebody, hey, I, I'd love to talk to you about this. Are you comfortable with that? And if they're not, that's okay. You can, and you don't have to take it personally, right? The four agreements don't take anything personally. Sometimes people are just honoring themselves. Um, but I, I, I think it's important also when you receive something to say, this is not in my, I'm not capable of handling this. How can I help you in another way? Um, and you mentioned getting messages, I get a lot of messages. I got a lot of very, very long messages. And one of my boundaries is it's it's difficult to read all of those because I feel like I want to then write another essay back. And that's just not – it's not possible in terms of time, but it's also emotionally not health. It's just not healthy. So being able to then say, hey, I really respect that you've sent this to me. I hear you. The end should be enough. But, you know, once you set your boundaries and expectations, if the other person can't respect them, it's not on you anymore. It's not. It's totally not. Not at all. I'm going to rope us back around to going to the treatment center. So it's interesting because completely different experience, but something that I was frightened of forever, aside from what I was doing for work, was traveling alone. I dealt with a breakup that was really difficult at the end of 2017. And I got tired of waiting for a companion to take on the world with. And so I made this huge decision, which was to go on a trip to Italy. Very different than making the decision to go check yourself into a mental health facility. But I remember leading up to the day that I was going to get in the Uber and go to the airport, that I was so scared of the day that I was going to get in the Uber and go to the airport because I thought it was going to ruin me. I thought it was going to bring everything around. I was going to cry the entire time I was in Italy, all of that. So talk to me about getting in the car and going to the airport. Thank you for sharing that. I also want to say you started Hurdle right after that that breakup. So I did. You know, you you stepped into your purpose, and I'm very grateful to be sitting here and to know that that's what happened after. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of you for getting in the car and going on your trip. <laughs> and it was a beautiful trip. <laughs> very different trip than your trip. It was different. I do yeah. not want to downplay no, the my, importance, and importance of no, your trip. No, no, no. My, my trip was beautiful. Um, yeah, I was very scared. So I booked my flights, and I booked the treatment center. And then I had a week before I left and this Thanksgiving was in that week. And I spent Thanksgiving alone, which was – that was really hard for me. Thanksgiving has been my favorite holiday for years. Um, getting in the car. One of the hardest parts about going to treatment was leaving my dog 
Collie is taking a nap next to me right now. She doesn't leave my side and I'm fairly certain she's my soulmate. I didn't know how I was going to get through 30 days without her. And so that was that was one of the biggest fears. The other fear was that I'd be with quote unquote crazy people, which is wild because <laughs> we are all dealing with something if we're on this like we're living and breathing. I was scared I was gonna be the crazy people, which doesn't have that's not what it is at all. And I don't like that term and I don't like that I thought of it. And I was I was also scared of having to take hold of the reins when I got back. So it wasn't necessarily being there. It was that I had already made the choice that I'm done with being depressed, anxious, panicked, uh, suicidal. I'm done with that. I was so afraid of what was on the other side. And the other side was I had to go through treatment to get there. And so being in treatment was actually amazing. I was safe. There was always someone in the office if I needed someone in the middle of the night. Um, I had people to talk to, my therapist all day. And I also had space. And it felt like a true life pause. And I'm sure for a lot of people, the pandemic might have felt like a life pause. But we were still going through our day and trying to get, it was like a groundhog day. Treatment was like, I don't exist in this world right now. I'm not posting on social. I don't need to talk to anybody. I'm purely here to work through my demons and to be a better person. And so I loved being in treatment. I wish I could be there all the time. I, I still talk to the same therapist that I had when I was there. And I'll be like, Can I, I just, I just want to come back. Can I just hang out? I just want to be there. Um, but that's not the work. Like I think people think treatment or inpatient or outpatient is the work. The work is after. It's what do you do once you've been there? And so when I came back, I launched an app. And I I didn't really think about the timing of this. I I planned to launch Valentine's Day because it wanted I wanted it to be a loving gift to myself and to everybody. Um I didn't really give myself enough time after treatment. And so I came back and I just went, go, go, go. And I actually turned back into the girl that was pre-pandemic. That was like, I just need to work. And that's what's going to fix all of the pain. And I very quickly crashed. And when I put my post up on January 30th, when I wanted to tell the world where I was, it was because that day I had come back from walking Collie and I crashed in the middle of the apartment and I was in hysterics. And I was like, I feel the same, but I'm doing more. And I, this is not right. And I needed to slow down and recognize that I don't have to work. I mean, we should work. <laughs> and my purpose on this planet is to teach. I'm very aware of that. But that's not what makes me lovable or worthy. And so I slowed down that cadence of filming or posting and took more time to breathe, to meditate. It helped me learn that I wasn't in my apartment before I went to treatment on the floor crying, breaking things, walking to the streets in the middle of the night because I was alone and because I didn't have a job and because I didn't have my friends living in the city anymore. I was sitting there because I wasn't talking to the high school Alex that needed love. 
And she learned that the only way that you're worthy is if you get this role in the play or if the cool kids invite you to the party or if the guy asks you out. That's the Alex that needed to be given some love. I didn't need a career. I didn't need a partner. I didn't need a fiance. I didn't need any of those things. And once you learn that, then you can start to heal. And so when I came back from treatment and I realized all I started to do was fill those labels back up, like I'm going to have an app and I'm going to train all these clients and I'm going to now be a fitness model again signed with another agency. I was just trying to put Band-Aids on the wound instead of like really let it air and heal. And so that's what I was afraid of. I was afraid. I was afraid of sitting with myself and not having a job and not having anywhere to go. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that anybody that you need to sit alone and be a hermit, but you have to be okay with being by yourself. And I will say out of any of the people that I know in my life, Emily, you are a beautiful example and an inspiration of someone who has learned how to love themselves and be okay alone. And it's why your life is so full. Mm. And that's what people, I hope, can start to reach for. Thank you. I think it's interesting, right? It's interesting. It's interesting because you ask yourself, like, is that something that I want to be recognized for? Like, do I want to be recognized by my friends and family as the person like, oh, she's good alone. She's fine. I agree with you. I feel really comfortable spending time by myself. I didn't always feel this way. Shout out to that Italy trip. But I think that sometimes because I'm the person that's good by myself, that when I feel as though I want someone or I feel as though like, man, it would be so damn great to be sitting on this couch next to someone else for the first Sunday night in months, that it exacerbates the feelings of loneliness sometimes. I felt that way and I also wasn't alone. And that's that's something to recognize. Like you can feel alone when you're with somebody because you're not good with yourself. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with a, someone around me. Yeah. And so, I'm yes, you are good alone, but that doesn't mean that you are like should be alone right. or will be alone. It's just this beautiful self-awareness yeah. and uh, – it's self-love to just be like, I am good. I don't need anybody to tell me I am. I don't need to be with somebody. We all want to be with people. Like we are humans, you know. It makes me feel like a little messed up that my love language is words of affirmation. <laughs> no. I recently dated someone who like did not want to indulge me in my love language. And I was like, this is not going to work for me. Did you hear that apparently your love language is what you didn't get as a child? I'm sorry, parents. I know. I was just going to say, I got a lot of great love as a child. But, I mean, my parents are divorced. So, Mm -hmm. no shade, mom and dad. But 
parents are divorced, went through a lot, spending a lot of time by myself from my mid to late teens. And I'm sure that because of that, I was always just looking for someone to tell me that I was doing a good job. Totally. You know, I remember as soon as I got my driver's license, my car became my sanctuary because with my car, I was like, truly, I was good. Like, it was like, you can do, you don't need anybody. You can get to school. You can go to musical practice. You can like go to youth group. Like, wow, I just painted a picture of an excellent, (laughs) thriving, popular teenager. I, but I could do all these things on my own and I didn't need, I felt as though, Physically, I didn't need anybody, but really, that's why my love language is words of affirmation. Cool. Emily, you're you're amazing. Oh, thanks, Sal. (laughs) Okay. So we, we've talked about, we've talked about going to treatment. You talked to us about what treatment was like. You talked to us about coming back and kind of getting into the swing of some sort of a normal routine and the overwhelm that came hand in hand with that. So after you recognized that you were kind of putting some band-aids on your life, how did you move forward from that? How? I feel like you're probably still trying to figure that out. Yeah, a bit. I am. That's yeah, 100%. I'm still figuring that out. I do think that having a team is important. Having my therapist, uh, my psychiatrist, medication is great. Um, it's different for everybody. Having friends, obviously, this is important. This is why we are here to connect. But I'm, I'm so grateful for the people in my life and. It's learning how to let love in, even if it looks different than you expected. So my my love language is touch. And it's because – and I, mom, I love you if you are listening to this. My mom and I have worked hard to figure out a relationship that works for us because we didn't really have one at all. Uh, I didn't talk to her throughout my entire college experience. My mom didn't touch me when I was younger. and She didn't say I love you. And I had to ask for hugs. My love language is is touch, it's hugs. So I used to think that love was just romantic. I was very for it was very foreign to me that love could come in all different types of forms from friends, from a meal that's nourishing is full of love. So learning how to accept love in in different ways, even a smile on the street, that's love. When you can start to accept more love in, you will feel more love. And you will give more love instead of just thinking that it needs to be from a man or a woman, whoever I end up with, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) Uh, whoever loves me that way. So yeah, being cool with that, letting love in has helped. Slowing down has helped. Leaning into creativity, playing guitar. I'm not about to start a band, but it's nice to play and to sing. And honestly, teaching for me is is really helpful. It helps me get out of that routine as long as I'm doing it because I want to teach the class and I want to connect instead of, oh, I have to put up this amount of workouts this week or else I'm everyone's going to die. Like that's not, no, everyone will be fine. And we all need to be gentle with each other and ourselves. Something you said before reminded me of something I wanted to say earlier, which was that it takes a really big person to allow people to play a certain role in your life that you didn't think that they would play, right? So when you were talking about like the shift in your relationship, I mean, that was a really big change. And that was like taking a step back and being like, 
I don't get to decide what role you play for me. And now we can move forward together and figure out how to navigate the way that we can both show up for each other in this new capacity. Something else you just said reminded me of the Joe Rogan Demi Lovato interview. Love it. Where you just said, I could end up with a man. I could end up with a woman. I don't know. Demi Lovato kind of said the same thing in that interview where she was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, good on you, Demi. Mm -hmm. But good on you, Alex. Well, are you have if anyone hasn't watched her documentary, it's still they're still putting episodes out, but it might all be out by the time you listen to this. I'm so glad that she's talking about her mental health and substance abuse because it's not even what you're taking. It's like we have substance abuse regardless. Like my substance is romance and it's always been and that is not healthy for me. And that's why I said man or woman because – by the way, I, I've grown up in a home. My my brother is gay. My mom is gay. I'm very blessed to experience all types of love and to just let – to be around people who are just being, right? Just being. And I don't know how love is going to come to me anymore. And I had this image and I had a great image and it was it was it looked real good my engagement my partner we looked good together both in fitness it was per- best friends like it looked real good it didn't feel good that's okay but i was so attached to the image and i stopped thinking about how it was feeling and so i'm done holding on to the image of anything the image doesn't have to be what i thought it was and that's where the struggle comes in and that's where my struggle comes in where I was sitting in my apartment on by myself it was like I shouldn't be here by myself in this big apartment I wasn't supposed to be what do you mean he wasn't you weren't supposed to be like how do you know how do we know what our life is going to look like how do I know if it's going to be a rainbow or not I have no idea we don't know and so if we start to chase or not chase but lean into and breathe into feeling and a a trust of our divine timing and our our soul's ability to heal no matter what happens like we have an internal compass and when you fight it that's when you end up on the floor or on the street like walking or and I don't want to I don't want anyone to compare demons, like, but when it comes down to it for me, it's just um, life isn't turning out the way that I thought it was, but it's going to be better. What in your life excites you right now? <laughs> uh, I'm very excited about my move. I'm excited to watch Kali keep growing. She's Kali is my dog, as I said <laughs> before. She's a year old and... If you have a pet, you understand this. I look at her and I just – I talk to her as if she's a human because she's a – like she's a soul. Like we connect. So I'm excited to watch her grow. I'm excited to join a gym again. Amen. Like very simple, small thing there with life coming back around. Um, and I'm excited for the people that are going to come into my life who I haven't met yet. I'm really excited. I'm super excited about that. 
When someone comes to your Instagram page, they see a girl with, they see a woman with 110,000 followers who's rocking some pink hair from time to time, doing some yoga, living her life, wearing a rainbow every now and again. When you look into the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I love that you said girl and then said woman because that's exactly what I see in the mirror. I There are some days where I still see a girl. I still see a young girl who needs love and who's scared and who's just trying to find acceptance. And then other days or other moments, maybe even in the same moment, I see a woman who is stepping into discomfort dyeing her hair pink, (laughs) continuing to explore a relationship with movement and someone who just wants joy, not, uh, not happiness, but joy, like straight up. You feel it in your body tingling excitement, joy. And I love her even when, even when she might not feel as bright. I know that we all have a light and it never dims. We just have to let it shine. That's that's all it is. For someone who listened to today's episode and they too feel a little bit hopeless, what would be one of your first pieces of advice to help them get to a place where maybe they have just a little bit more hope. The sun is going to shine tomorrow. Every day is different. I'm getting emotional just because I know that there there potentially are people listening who really don't feel that way. And even I know when I was told, you know, just have courage and it's okay. You really don't, you don't feel it. But I'm prom- I promise you there's a rainbow, there's, there's hope and love on the other side. And ask for help. Ask for help um, and accept it. So I was in a position where I was receiving a lot of help, but I didn't, I didn't want to help myself. And you're here for a reason. I want you to know that. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer the Alex a piece of advice looking back on the walk. What do you tell her? I love you. (laughs) It's like, oh my God. I think that's all, that's all we all want. We just want to feel loved. That's what all of those words of affirmation, it's what the touch is. It's just this, this feeling of love. And when you get to a place like that, you're not, you don't feel it. And I don't, I think you get to a point where you just don't even want it. It's, you're over it um, because you've been hurt so many times and you know, no one can ever hurt you. They just build your character. And the girl walking, I wouldn't be me if I hadn't taken that walk. So if you're feeling that right now, again, it's not that you're getting stronger. It's that it is showing you how strong you are. 
And that's what that experience has done for me. Thank you for Thank all you. of it. As uh, I know this was a lot to take on and a heavy conversation, but one that you and I spoke in depth about before we sat down to have it. So I'm grateful to be able to to bring this to the feed and I'm grateful for your friendship and I'm grateful to be sitting here with you right now. Oh, I feel the same. I love you and it's an honor. How do the hurdlers keep up with you? Give me your details, Alex Silverfagan. The deets. Well, my cell phone is. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't you haven't done the text message marketing thing yet. Oh gosh, no. I cannot keep up with it's that. It's on the radar. I, I it's very I don't know. I don't know if it's actually on my radar. No, it's not. It's overwhelming. <laughs> um, if you would like to connect with me, Instagram is a great place, Alex Silverfagan, and then my website, alexsilverfagan.com. You'll be able to download my app. Right from the website, I upload five plus workouts a week, depending on if I'm <laughs> giving myself space or not. But yes, there's uh, yoga, strength training, and then my own signature class, Flow Into Strong, which is yoga and strength blended together. But a lot of the messages that we've talked about during this podcast are described in that class. So that's where you can find me. I hope to see you on the app or just on the interwebs. And I love you all. I love you all. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>